Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a firefighter, the host and creator of the Mental Edge Lifestyle podcast and a mental health advocate. It's Ryan Gallagher. How are you doing today, Ryan? Good. How about you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to learn more about your journey and how you were able to rise to the challenge. So what we do first is we start right at the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Yeah, so I grew up in Burlington, Ontario, Canada. Um, born in Toronto, but moved there when I was two. So just say Burlington. Uh, and I, was, I was involved in, in everything as a kid. I had a great, great childhood uh, growing up. I played hockey. I played football, soccer, golf, um, you name it. I tried it. Loved sports. Uh, and, and just was a very energetic, outgoing kid but sports sports was my big passion but uh and then as I got older went into high school I was in kind of drama the improv stuff and yeah and then fast forward here I am now as a as a firefighter when you were playing sports was there any sport in particular that stand out to you that you kind of were like I could see myself doing this long term or was it just for the fun of it during that time no hockey was my my passion my big one uh but I was it was interesting because I was very, I was, like I said, I was energetic and outgoing when I was playing sports, but uh, through early on in public school, I was very shy unless I was playing a sport. It was really weird. I would chase my mom's car or my dad's car when they dropped me off at school. I'm seven or eight years old and I would chase it down the street. When I'd go to the rink, I had to know where they were standing. Uh, and, and it was a very interesting, uh, I guess it was childhood anxiety. Uh, and then one day everything just clicked for me and I really came out of my shell and I started to, you know, they say, Oh, we're going to stand over here. And I just didn't care. And then I started becoming captain of most of my hockey teams and I got pretty good. I got looked at from some, uh, from some junior teams and talked to from, you know, some schools. And then, and then my dad unfortunately passed away and I just kind of wanted to just play hockey for fun after that. So yeah, hockey would be my big one that, uh, I just sort of clicked for me and I got pretty good at it. What's something that you learned about yourself while you were playing hockey? A new skill set or something about being around people? Yeah, well, like I said, it, it taught me to come out of my shell and my comfort zone, I think. So it, I learned, like I said, I was a captain of teams. And so communication and, and how to kind of be a leader, but be yourself in being that leader. Don't be someone you're not. Um, so and it, it just taught me, I think, a lot of life lessons today. Um, and I grew a lot of really strong relationships that I still have to this day. So like sports for me was a, was a big, big uh, learning curve or taught me a lot about myself and in life. So I think sports is a great way for kids at a young age to kind of get themselves out there and kind of experience different aspects of themselves and being around all the different individuals that you can. I know when I was growing up, sports was huge and, I wanted to play, like, just get me out on a field. I mean, I wasn't a school person, but I still wasn't a school person even growing up. But I think, like, your example with being shy and stuff, I kind of used sports as a way to get myself out there. But I had those problems where I couldn't really connect with other um, kids, and it kind of made it hard. So I'd just be going to the game, play, then leave. It's kind of like I didn't really build that bond with them. Did you have any motivations or inspirations growing up? Someone that you looked up to? Um, I think my dad, uh, he passed when I was 16 years old. Uh, and he, 
he was he was really family driven, family oriented, and and and, and I say both my parents actually, my mom and dad. Uh, but my dad Ed, would just anything I wanted to do. Both my parents, it was just, do you want to try this? Sure. And there was no, there was never any pressure. And it's taught me a lot today. I think I have a three year old now, so I try and kind of model a little bit of what my parents taught me. I think we all do that. So I'd say, yeah, my my parents, especially my dad, because there was never any pressure. Uh, like for example, I started skating when I was two years old. So, but I, they're like, do you want to play hockey? And I said, no, I'll wait till I'm seven. You know, at three or four, they asked me because it's you can kind of start playing in leagues. And, they, and I said, no, I'll wait till seven. And it was never talked about until I was seven. And I said, I'd like to play now. So, like, so little things like that. There was never any, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do what we did. So looking back, I'd say my parents and uh, especially my dad. So talk about um, any challenges that you've overcome growing up. Oh, well, so like I mentioned there, my, my dad passed away. Uh, so I was, that would be the biggest, biggest challenge, uh, at a younger age. So 16 years old, I, that would put me in probably grade 10, grade 11. For some reason I've done a few podcasts and I keep saying grade nine, which makes no <laughs> sense. So people who listen are probably like, the guy was 16 in grade nine. That doesn't add up. Uh, and it was, yeah. So year 2000, uh, he, he passed away of a heart attack in front of me. So I had to give him CPR. It was a half day of school. Uh, I just come home cause we had football practice at the end of the day. So I just booted home to get some stuff and, uh, we were chatting and he was having some pain. My mom left cause she was home for lunch break. She worked actually out of the high school I was at at the time. And he dropped in front of me. So his last things he said, call an ambulance, call your mom. And that was it. So I gave him CPR and they worked him what felt like hours. They worked him on the, in the kitchen, they worked him on the front lawn and then in the ambulance in front of the house, and then obviously the whole way to the hospital. So that was a, that was a tough go. Uh, very, very tough. And they had said to me, there's nothing that I could have done. If they had all the equipment there when it happened, they wouldn't have, no one would have been able to save him. He had a huge block. Um, so, yeah, so that would probably be the biggest challenge. And then fast forward where that put me in life, not dealing with it properly, which I'm sure we'll get to, and the whole reason why I'm doing the mental health uh, work that I'm doing is I turned to alcohol to cope with everything. Uh, so that was another challenge as well. Just trying to figure out. And I still, it's interesting. I still have drinks to this day here and there, but I now know, um, do I want this drink or do I need this drink? When I'm feeling low, it used to be like, oh, I'll just drink. And now it's, you know, every so often, but I put in, again, we can talk about this if you want. I put in the work to get to that point. So Talk about during that time when you were giving CPR and all that, calling the ambulance, calling your mom, what was your mindset going through that? Were you able to try to kind of, I need to focus on what I need to do to make sure to save him? Or were you kind of, I don't know what's going on right now? Uh, in that moment, I, I think it was just, I'm just going to try. I got to bring this guy back. This is my dad. Uh, for whatever reason, I was put here. And this is what I have to do. And I'd never, I'd never actually taken any you know, CPR courses or anything like that. I talked to dispatch on the phone and they just kind of started me off and then I just focused and my mom got home right away and she took the phone. And I, it was, I just all of a sudden took control of the situation, told her to leave the room, which is pretty big for 16 years old. And I just focused on it. And then once paramedics, firefighters and police arrived, uh, I removed myself and, and just waited. So, you mentioned that you turned to the use of alcohol. What, what brought you to go in 
that direction. Um, it was interesting too, because I didn't, I didn't have my first drink till I was 19 years old. I was like a rule follower. Like I'll just wait. Um, and I just, it just, uh, made me forget about everything. So I just became like what most people probably are when they were younger, like a social, like party drinker, but I was, you know, Thursday to Sunday kind of thing. It's the weekend, weekend warrior, I guess you could say. Uh, but always, you know, having fun, but it just, it just allowed me to, I was outgoing at this point in my life too. And I had, I was fortunate enough. I had a lot of friends and, but I just was, I was always trying to be the center of attention and, and it just allowed me to, I guess, escape because like I said, my, at 16, when you lose somebody, uh, like your, your dad, you're kind of lost. But my mom had said, you know, you should go talk to somebody. And at that time I was like, why would I want to talk to anybody about my feelings? They don't know me. And now looking back, you know, I wish I had, but that, you know, we all learn from things differently. Uh, so I just, I just used it to cope. It just allowed me to forget about stuff. Cause as I got older and, you know, you start hitting more milestones and doing different things, you always are like, Oh, I wish I could tell my dad or whoever it is you had lost, whatever situation you're in. And I think that really hurt a lot. Uh, so I would just turn to alcohol. Was there a time where you kind of knew that I need to stop using alcohol as a coping mechanism and be able to reach out to people or try to use different tactics in a way to overcome what you went through. Yeah. It, and it's like I said, this happened at 16 and it wasn't till 30 when I was like, I got to figure this out. And so, and this is important to point out because a lot of people are, who are dealing with mental health challenges, it seems like they have everything together. So at 30, I got my dream job. I got hired as a firefighter. I got married and we bought our first house, a brand new build, a uh, townhouse. So life seemed great. And that's when I was really hurting the most. I was overweight. So that was one sign. I was about 235 pounds and I'm like 185, 190 now uh, consistently. And I was eating anything and everything uh, that I thought was healthy that mm -hmm. probably wasn't and still working out, still playing hockey, doing all that stuff, but just constantly because I was drinking so much on the weekends, uh, just was so unhappy with myself. So there was one time that I came home and I was vomiting on the floor and my wonderful wife was helping me. And that was kind of the next day. I just went, I got to fix this because there's no way she's going to clean up my puke anymore. So I, I just, it was one of those aha moments for whatever reason. It just happened that way. And I was like, you know what? Let's work on this. So we actually went to couples counseling and then I started doing counseling on my own. And that's when we really got to the root of, you know, cause I was going, am I an alcoholic? Am I, you know, this, this, this. And the, and the counselor was like, honestly, you're, you're checking some boxes, but you aren't. Let's get to the trauma of what happened to you when you were younger. And as soon as we kind of pinpointed the loss of my dad, which really looking back should be a no brainer and really working through, you know, a storyboard or a storyline of this happened and this happened and this happened and all these things circle back to this. It was like, I'm off and running uh, and just dropped a bunch of weight, kicked the alcohol. And like I said, I still have it from time to time, but it's very moderate and it's, it's controlled and, and it's, there's time I don't even feel like it, you know, like I used to when I'd be like, I need to have this. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that allowed me to start getting into meditation, journaling, uh, outside, you know, not just focusing on lifting weights, doing hiking and mountain biking and, 
and different sports. So yeah, it all, it all changed probably around, yeah, 30. Looking at those, those 14 years, was it kind of nice to kind of be able to kind of pinpoint those different aspects and kind of learn something that you didn't know about yourself during those times? Because some people will go use alcohol and they're thinking, oh, this is just normal. I'm fine. Everything's good. But when someone dives deep into the issues, is it kind of like a reflection in a way to kind of say, I didn't realize this was going on? Oh, 100%. And I think the biggest thing with that kind of process that I encourage people to go on to kind of, I guess, find themselves or whatever you want to call it, is you got to hold yourself accountable, right? You Like accountability was a big one. And that's one thing I preach in like the mental health space. It's be accountable for, for you uh, and kind of the rest falls into place, but also have compassion uh, and, and understanding that you're going to mess up, you're going to fumble and, and just ride that roller coaster because at the end, if you put in the work, it will all kind of come full circle. So it was an interesting learning process about myself and just, just trying to navigate it. And yeah, it was the best thing I ever did, uh, trying to change my lifestyle and my habits and yeah. And here we are today. I I'm still married. I got a three-year-old and so life's pretty good. Heading towards when you were going to college, what was that dream job that you were wanting? What was that path that you're going to want to take? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can give career career advice for people, but I went all over the place, and that was another thing, like kind of searching. Uh, and again, had I have dealt with things, it probably would have turned out a little different. I went to university for a year, decided it wasn't for me because uh, I was caught up in the partying. Then I did three years because uh, I thought, you know what, I should be on television and talk about sports because, again, sports was my thing. And then at like 24, and in the back of my mind, I'd always thought about emergency services and, and firefighting. And then at 24, I said I'd finished college and I thought, I'm going to just do some courses and see if I like it. So I just started picking away at uh, rescue courses, hazmat, rope rescue, swift water, you name it. And I really enjoyed it. So I'm, I would just start to fill my weekends with those, those courses while working. I got jobs in sales and landscaping and just building a resume. All still like struggling though uh, with the whole alcohol stuff because this was still early on. But I, I thought, you know what, this is going to be the path that I'm going to take. And, that, and so I, at 24, I just started to hammer down on stuff. I got on as a volunteer firefighter and just kind of, just gave it my all. And then at 30, I got hired full-time. So that was the path I took, but it took me a while to get there. Like I said, and now I'm actually back in school for professional addiction studies. And then I'll probably do a degree uh, in psych, maybe just I enjoy people <laughs> uh, and the way we are or why the way, why are we the way we are is fascinating to me. So yeah, so I just navigate, everyone navigates it differently. And I, I got there, it was just a, a bumpy road and, and I needed to do it. I needed to go to university, see if it was for me, go to college because I thought that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and then it, it all worked out in the end. I think the best part is there's no like specific path that everyone takes. Everyone has like different roads that they get to where they want to go. I know for me, I graduated with a sports management degree, but I'm not in sports, but I'm trying to, like you said, build the resume, get the skill set, and eventually make my way to the sports industry. But with you, it's kind of like you, you knew that you had something that you enjoyed or a passion with emergency services and becoming a firefighter that you were going to do anything to keep your mind focused on 
completing that task while you were doing other things to just like build the resume and all that. During your times with the sales job, was that something that you kind of could see yourself doing long-term, even if you weren't going to become a firefighter, or was it just something to do while you could? Um, there was moments where I thought, because it took me uh, like eight years to get hired full-time. So there's times where you think, well, this is it. And I was okay with that because um, I was never going to be a nine to five desk kind of guy. So sales, driving around, talking to people. I love, like I said, talking to people and, and learning more about other people. So it came easy, uh, like the customer service side of stuff. So yeah, I thought maybe, but I just kept plugging away um, on, on the fire stuff and then like working on myself. And it all just worked out that when I decided to make that change in my life and, and focus on myself and, and is when I got hired and when I got married and when we got our first house and everything kind of just came into play. So, and I actually went to my first year at university was sport management at Brock. So I just a uh, university close, close here uh, to home. So, uh, cause again, same thing. I thought I'm going to be in sports cause that's what I love, but yeah, here we are. It's always those things like I always tell people find as many passions as you can during college or growing up because you never know what direction you're going to go in. I think some people, they stay focused on one thing and they will only do that. And then when it doesn't happen, they're like, I don't know what to do now. It's kind of like you have those different options and those different areas that you can fall back on to kind of say, okay, I can go into this direction now. Yeah, 100%. And that goes back to the stuff. I think it was easy for me to kind of, I didn't feel like terrible about myself doing all these different things because it goes back to what I mentioned with my childhood and my parents. They just never, they never pressured me. Like they never said, you need to go to university. I got caught up in everyone was going to university. So I just needed to go kind of thing. But so that helped a lot. And that's why, you know, it just like got to where I am and I wouldn't even say it took me longer than most because like we talked about, there's no right or wrong way to do anything. We're just, society tells us we should do this, this, and this. But really you need to do whatever makes the most sense for you. Yep. Talk about your experience being a volunteer firefighter. What, what did you enjoy about, what are some obstacles that you faced during that position? Uh, it was good. Uh, I met a lot of great people. And it allowed me to, I used it as a stepping stone to get full time. Uh, and the challenge is like the call volume wasn't there as a volunteer. So it was hard to keep your skill set up. Uh, but, you know, you go in and you do extra training and do what you need to do if you're passionate about it. Uh, so there was, and it, it taught you, taught you kind of taught me to be persistent and persevere. Because uh, at the end, I, there, was an, there was a goal in place. And so this was just the starting point of that. So. During your time being a firefighter, did it kind of bring the memory of when you went through as a, a child at 16 with your dad and having the firefighters paramedics come into your house? Or you're like, this is my time to help people like I'm trying to do now with your mental health advocacy. So the when I gave CPR to my dad, so my and then I get hired, you know, at 30, and I start responding to medical calls, and it was something like the reason why I know this number, I went to like 10 VSAs where I had to do actual chest compression CPR on people my first year. So that's again, when I, when I say 30 years old, when I got hired, married, new house, all that, uh, 
and I was struggling at my peak and I get my dream job, it, I think it triggered some stuff. So that helped, that kind of put me back a little bit and, and then finally coming full circle. And that day, you know, when I realized I got to fix this, but I think, I think going to those calls uh, really triggered a few things, but then I worked through it right away. I shouldn't say right away, but I worked through it within that year. And that's when I really started to kind of flourish uh, and, and adopt those healthy habits and go to therapy and talk to people. Were you able to be open with your colleagues in a way that they kind of maybe knew the situation that you kind of were going through or were you kind of a person that stayed private before um, therapy and all that? No. So my first year, cause you're brand new. I didn't, I didn't open up too much to people about my personal life. And then I would mention that my dad had passed, um, things like that. And now more than ever, I talk about it all the time. Uh, I'm just completely fine because you see so many people struggling, not, not even just in the work setting, but in, in life in general. So uh, I think just sharing your own personal stories, not maybe not so much what happened to you, but what you did. Uh, and then, but never, I never give people advice and say, you should do this. You should do that. I just say, here's what worked for me. Why don't you give this a shot? Uh, and that can go a long way. Cause if people see you all of a sudden just talking about, you know, Oh, I was pretty messed up back in the day. And, and here's what I did. They, they seem to be more like, Oh, all of a sudden they kind of their shoulders go up and they're, they're like, Oh really? Tell me more. And they're interested and engaged. And those are the people that probably want help. So the first little bit, no, I didn't talk about it. And now, yeah, now more than ever, I, I talk about it. I'm on the peer support committee at work, which was voted on by our peers. And that's a, that's for basically health and wellness. We're not counselors. We just give them the right resources if they don't know where to look and then they can go find the right person. And then obviously opening up, I do the podcast. Um, I run a bunch of charity events and a lot are geared towards mental health. So it's just easier and easier. The more, you know, I put myself out there, the more people are interested, the more people talk about it. So I think you brought up a great thing where you're not here to tell people what to do. You're here to talk about your experiences and what you've done to overcome and give some helpful tips if needed. And I think that's important because like with this show that I do, I'm not telling people how to rise to the challenge. We're giving people experiences that we've all gone through and how we were able to rise to it. And maybe someone can connect or reflect in a similar way and they can use the tips that we give and say, I'm going to try this and see if it works. But we're not telling people, this is how you do it. And this is because we're not all perfect. We all have our flaws and ways. And I think that's the great thing is every day I'm always learning new things about myself that I didn't know when I was younger. And, but when you said that, it brought up a great point where you're just giving advice in a way that it's just helping people. You're all about helping and that's important. Yeah. That, that's, again, it goes back to that vulnerability piece, right? If you're willing to talk about it or talk about yourself in, in a certain way that people might not, usually talk about then more people i think will be better off right mental health it's it's massive right now we we all struggle with something you know they say the statistics are one in five uh, it's five and five in some way everyone's story is different though that's the thing there's no one size fits all approach so you know some people might listen to this and be like oh you know his dad passed away but that affected me differently than it might affect somebody else so like, you know, we can't discount each other's stories and we just, we've got to be a voice for people that don't have a voice and we got to open up and 
and things will be hopefully better. Yes. You talked about you started a podcast. What was the concept and what were you wanting to do when you created that podcast? Uh, kind of probably the same thing you're doing. Just give people a voice to talk. I, I, I just love listening to podcasts. Anytime I get a chance driving in my car, I listen to them. It's free information. That's the way I look at it. Uh, and I thought, well, I have a little bit of background and experience in the TV and journalism and all that stuff. So maybe I'll just do something with it. And I just do it for fun on the side. Uh, like once a month, I put out an episode and I was fortunate enough. I had a huge response and I got some, some big name people uh, that were willing to talk. But the end goal was just, again, to give people, a, to give people an outlet to, to hear somebody talk about something that's difficult and they can maybe go, oh yeah, that, maybe that makes sense. Maybe that's why I am the way I am today. And maybe I should try this, this, and this. Again, no, no advice. It's just open conversations. Uh, so that was the main, main goal behind that. And I, I love to talk. So <laughs> <laughs> what type of individuals do you bring on the show to talk about uh, mental health? Yeah. So I've had, uh, I've had a naturopath doctor on there a few times, kind of talking about the gut and brain connection dealing with your stress because that can obviously affect everything. Uh, I've had a financial person on talking about, you know, stresses of money and, and ways to tips and tricks to kind of navigate a budget or um, kind of set yourself up a little bit better in the future. Cause I think money is a big stressor for everybody. Um, counselors. I've had uh, a sports psychologist and then I had a couple of professional athletes. I had Theo Fleury, um, Canadian ice hockey player, Clint Malarchuk, another former NHL player, and Michael Landsberg, who's a big, uh, big in, in Canada sports broadcaster, who, who deals a lot with her, his own depression and anxiety. So you name it, just everyday people. I've had some firefighters on, uh, and, then, and then, like I said, some pro athletes. Being the host of the show, what have you learned about yourself from listening to other people's stories or what they're sharing to your audience? Uh, I think I just learned I'm doing the right thing. Uh, it's good to, to talk about things. Um, and the more people that are willing to talk, the better off we'll be. And we're all, we all have the same message. You know, we're just, we're just saying it differently. That's mm -hmm. all it is. You have probably the same message that I have and the per people I talk to have the same message that I'm trying to get across, but we just, all have a different way of, of sharing. So we're a lot of like-minded people in the world. Yes. You talked about charities that you've been a part of, or you've been working with. Talk about those experiences and what you've learned from doing those. Oh, they're, they're so fulfilling. Uh, just giving, giving money to people or giving money to a charity organization, uh, knowing that it's going to be put to use. So we do, so it's through like uh, uh, fire department and I'm probably going to start some stuff on the on my own with a couple people um, like foundation probably geared towards mental health we'll see uh, but yeah giving like giving money to breast cancer and the Movember foundation which is men's mental health and, and prostate cancer um, and we've done a few local things in the community geared towards mental health uh, so just yeah just it's very fulfilling and rewarding to just be able to help somebody and yeah, it's good. It just keeps me going, keeps me busy. I love doing it. So something I'm passionate about. I think charity, charities I worked with um, in college doing events and all that. Um, 
best experience ever. Just being able to be um, positive about a cause. I did a lot for ALS and so raising money, going to helping a family. It's so rewarding because it, we're making these people happy that we're coming over and helping them with daily tasks that they can't do um, normally. And it's made me kind of want to pursue in other areas, like how can I bring my job and do more with charities and the, having that support, like you have the support with the firefighters being a part of those charities. I'm the same way. My company supports anything we do with charities. So it's like you said, it's rewarding and fulfilling in a way. Cause it's one of those times where you're thinking about others. You're not thinking about yourself in a way. So that's the reason I enjoy doing charity work. With the foundation, even though you haven't, it's still a concept right now. Is there, is it focused on maybe event planning or is it just bringing the awareness of a cost? Uh, it'll be, it'll be awareness. I will do a lot of events and that's where I can, you know, bring sports into it. I will maybe do some hockey tournaments and some golf tournaments and, and raise some money for just wellness, um, health and wellness in general. So it, it, it'll be good if I, yeah, if I can uh, make it happen, I'm talking to a few people. So we'll see. Uh, like I said, though, I have the, the other stuff that I do already. So yeah, it's something to just, I'll finish school up and then I'll probably focus my time and energy on that. And it's good. It's good for your community. And it's good that my son sees stuff like something like that taking place. I can bring him out to events and then sets him up for some success. Hopefully down the road, if he sees, you know, myself and my wife doing giving back, he'll, probably be a little bit more eager to do so he's only three but why not start now kids will remember a lot at those young ages so i think getting him involved or getting in the area or involved in those things he'll remember it and be like i want to possibly do that when i grow up yeah exactly that's the plan you talked about um going back to school with the professional addiction studies program is it kind of like when you talked about how you didn't finish college at the beginning, this is a way that to fulfill that um, goal that you had of going to college. But you're also doing it in a way where I'm doing it for the passion that I have for the cause and the reasoning of the program. Yeah, I think it, it will help close that chapter in my life that I never did finish. So I'm like, I should probably do that at one point. And I'd already, I'd said it for a long time, but I never found anything that I was like, well, I'm not just going to go back just to go back. Uh, and then I found this uh, program and instantly thought this is right up my alley. I was just getting into the peer support stuff at work. So I thought that would just be another tool in my toolbox to kind of help me understand people. And then also understand myself, what I went through, the more, you know, stuff I'm reading and, and doing uh, the assignments and work on it's uh, it all makes sense to me. So hopefully, you know, I can expand on it down the road and maybe it'll help me if I decide to, you know, climb the ranks in the, in the fire service, just having, you know, that potential psych degree under my belt and some addiction uh, stuff under, under my belt, like I said, more tools in my toolbox. So mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely a part of me, I'm sure is thinking, yeah, I should go back and, and finish it and close that kind of door, but it just wasn't the right time. And now it seems to be, and I'm enjoying it. So I think it goes back to what we talked about. Everyone has those different paths and you're on a path that's going in a direction that you're happy to be going on. And if you're able to close those chapters, you accomplish those, but it's not like you need to do that to keep on going. It's not blocking you in a way. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and like we said so many times, there's no right or wrong way. I don't think to do anything. So many people, you know, will ask, how do you get hired as a fireman? And it's like, I can't even give you, if you came into the fire service and talked to people, it'd be, Oh, it took me eight years. It took me one year. I did school 20 years ago. I did this course and I did that. I mean, now they're starting to, to uh, add different benchmarks you have to hit, Mm -hmm. whether it's school or different testing, but yeah, there's no, there's no right or wrong way. And I think that goes for anything. So what does the future look like for you professionally and personally? What are you wanting to accomplish next? Finish up school uh, and see what we can do. Like I mentioned about the charity or foundation. Uh, and then I'm, I'm toying with the idea of trying to climb the ranks in my fire service, whether or not that takes me to chief one day, I'm not really sure. Um, Again, it, things could change, but for now, I'm just uh, going to focus on family, finishing school, the charity stuff, and then uh, we'll see where I go in my career uh, with the fire service. For the industry that you're in with mental health and being a firefighter, what tips or advice would you give someone to rise to the challenge in that industry? Put yourself out there and... and and have those difficult conversations. Cause then, like I said, you'll see more people having them and you can better serve others. If, if you're honest with yourself and you're and be passionate about it and be vulnerable and have compassion and, and be a voice for people that maybe don't have a voice or are afraid to speak. From your experience, what tips or advice would you give someone to rise to their challenge, to overcome obstacles and accomplish their goals? It's a great question. Every, it, it sounds, it, it never made sense and it all it now does more than ever, but everything happens for a reason. You're put in a situation, I think, to rise to the occasion, rise to the challenge and better yourself. And sometimes you got to fail to get there. So if you fail, just keep going because you'll learn from it. Always use life experience. Always use the experience that are handed to you as a learning opportunity if they don't end up the way you want them to, because the more you learn from things, the better off you're going to be and you'll eventually reach whatever that end goal is. I think you nailed it perfectly. I think people are afraid of fear of trying new things or going for certain things. And they kind of want to take that easy route. And I think the people that try and go for the things and fail, they're able to learn a lot about themselves. I know with me, I take every opportunity and I go for it. I'm not going to be a person that's going to want to say, oh, I regret not doing this because each day I learn something new about myself. Each interview I do, I learn something new that I can use in that week and try to better myself. I always use the quote, become the greatest version of yourself. Each day I'm learning something new and people just got to be more open-minded. They can't just be very... Uh, self-absorbed in one area they got to be able to look at all different aspects and I think you basically said it perfectly with your rise to the challenge and I think people can see through your inter- our interview that you've gone through things and you're not one of those people that still uses that but you've learned from those experiences to help you grow and become a better person today yeah I, well I appreciate you saying that you have to like I said if you can't it takes time though. You got to put in the work. It doesn't just happen overnight, but you can't blame other people and you can't point the finger all the time. 
you know, it's a lot of the time it starts with you and, and being accountable and, and understanding that life will get better, but you have to put in the work to do it. And we all struggle and there's, we all struggle. That's the biggest thing. Uh, so if someone's pointing the finger at you and making you feel crappy, they're probably not feeling the best themselves. And it goes by, I've interviewed, I interviewed somebody and it stuck with me. Uh, Jason Valadeo, he said, it's the importance of who's sitting at your table. Surround yourself with, you know, those like-minded people um, that will understand you. And it, sometimes it takes time to find those people, but you'll never find them if you don't open up and talk about things. So you'll ne- they'll never know anything about you and you'll never know anything about them. I totally agree. What is one thing, looking back at your um, experience, what's something that you wish you told yourself at a younger age or growing up that you realize about yourself now that you should have done? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that's a tough question. I, I think, I, th- I mean, you never really know how hard life's going to be or how hard it can be, right? So I think just looking back, everything does happen for a reason and you just, you just got to get through it. And I didn't know what my reason was for, you know, everything happening to me, my, my father passing away. Uh, and it's, it's, I wouldn't, I don't know if this answers your question and it's weird. I've talked to people about this, but I don't think I change anything about it. I miss my dad every day. Uh, but again, it was supposed to happen the way it did. And I was supposed to be there for whatever reason. And it just set me up for being able to talk to people like yourself and, and have these open conversations to help people. So I think, I think looking back the way I handled it, I think I would have probably just said to myself, like, you're supposed to be here right now at this moment and down the road, future you is going to be able to talk about this and help people. I'm looking at a full circle. You said that everything happens for a reasoning and something, it, your path took you to where you're at today and you're able to be open about it and talk to people like myself and other people about the experiences and help people who may be going through those similar situations be able to overcome the obstacles and rise to the challenge. Yeah, and and not everybody wants to share. Not everybody wants to talk. So, you know, for the people that don't want to, but at least find a healthy outlet. Find something that works for you, whether that's meditating, journaling, working out. Uh, But don't, you know, you don't want to bottle it up because it does, it it can affect you uh, long-term. It makes the the little things seem bigger than what they really are if you don't deal with certain things that happen to you in life. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. I've definitely learned a lot about your journey and a lot of people that are listening to this interview will be able to overcome their obstacles and rise to the challenge in similar situations that you've gone through. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Check out the Mental Edge Lifestyle Podcast hosted by my guest, Ryan Gallagher. Remember, you can follow and subscribe on all major podcast platforms, but you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. What path are you going to take to accomplish your goals? You decide.